the Independence Exeter City podcast. This is Grecian Talk with Ollie Heptinstall, Paul Martin, and Paul Sussex. Welcome along to uh, Grecian Talk, the independent Exeter City podcast. I'm Ollie Hepnestall, and uh, still here from last week, uh, Paul Sussex, hands for the show, and uh, Paul Martin, who, uh, Paul, are you still stuck in that cave? Um, I hope not, but we'll have to wait and see until it's uh, put up on the internet, I guess, and listen to okay, the back. You're but sounding slightly better. Sounding okay, slightly better this week, so. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, on this week's show, we're going to discuss uh, the two fantastic away wins for the Grecians at Accrington and Aldershot. Um, also, look back at our Player of the Month, uh, Elliot Chamberlain, who signed this week um, for the Grecians, a striker. And we'll bring back the Steve Flack stat attack hashtag, which uh, disappeared at the end of last season, but we're bringing it back to the show. And uh, we'll also look back at the weekend's action in League Two. That's all coming up on Grecian Talk. Right then, um, first up... On uh, Tuesday night, we're going to look back at the Aldershot game. A fantastic win there at the Recreation Ground. And Hans, that's the first win at your local ground for quite a while for City. Yep, uh, 1989 Boxing Day, so um, that's all good. Uh, I can walk with, uh, around my town with a bit of pride. And uh, the banter is on my side for a change. Jamie Curitan got both goals, uh, Paul. Um, he's 37 years of age now. Do you think we're perhaps maybe overly reliant on the uh, veteran forward? No, I don't, I don't think we're too over-reliant on him just yet because um, there are others who can chip in with the goals. Uh, well, we'll come on to it, but obviously Gal and Bowles are showed on Saturday. So I think if it carries on that he's the main man scoring all the goals, then that's the time to worry because, as you say, he is getting on a bit. But I think at the moment it's just good to have him finding the net again after his barren fell last season. And hopefully he can just continue doing that. And at the moment, I don't think no, we're too overwhelmed on him just yet. And we've got a match report now from Hans. Uh, here it is. Hi, Ollie. Great night at the wreck. 2-1 win. Uh, first time we've won here since Boxing Day 1989. Curitan brace. First typical Curitan effort from edge of uh, the box. Straight to the back of the net. Goalie, no chance. The second one, Garrett cleverly uh, stole the ball from an old shot free kick in a dangerous area down uh, outside the penalty box. A number of players rushed down the other end. Um, Guy passed it to Liam Sirkin. Liam Sirkin shot at the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper saved, but um, could only parry the ball into the path of Curitan, who cleverly stuck it in the back of the net. Excellent night. What did we do differently, do you think, from the Morecambe game? Um, cut out all the mistakes. I think that was the most significant part of it from the Morecambe game. Um, Oldshot had the chances. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the extended highlights, you'll see that... Um, we were lucky, or they were unlucky, so I think there have been huge improvements. I think Morecambe, it was, um, the, you know, three individual areas, three goals, um, and I think whatever Tisdale said and the management said after that game did the trick. I think I predicted last week that there wouldn't be any changes. I think there was just the one change to the team with Tisdale carrying on um, with the team, you know, his normal message of, you got me into this trouble, you can get us back out of this trouble, which does seem to, to work quite often. 
Uh, yeah, Craig Woodman was one of the people we slated a bit last week. But Hans, uh, what did you make of his performance on Tuesday evening? I think it was better. Um, he's, I think he's um, lacking match practice, match fitness. You know, he's um, played a few pre-season friendlies, but I don't think he played an awful lot last season. And I think it's taken a little while to, for him to adjust back up to the speed of the match. So um, I, I should imagine that he will get better. Um, and, of course, we now know that uh, Jordan Moore-Taylor will be there to uh, take his place if he doesn't uh, fit in. Okay, and we're now going to look back at uh, yesterday's fantastic win, Eckington nil, Exeter City 3. Uh, Alan Gow were the first two, the first of which was, well, effortless, wasn't it, almost? Uh, just curling it around the keeper in the far corner. Uh, Gillian Bowser got the third, a tap-in. Um, after a cross was uh, headed down to him. Um, Paul, Exeter's promotion chances, do you think we're capable of repeating our last season in League Two when we, of course, finished second? Uh, I don't think we should get too ahead of ourselves after the first week or so of the season. There's two good away wins in the last week, but I think the game last week still showed that there are, well, City can have nightmares, and I think they'll have to cut days like that out if they're going to go up automatically. I think the playoffs would be a more realistic game. Uh, you never know if they carry on, if they get some momentum going from these wins, keep it going, then automatics are a possibility. Obviously, three teams go up automatically, so they could be one of the top three, obviously, but I think at the moment, playoffs is a more realistic aim. I don't think it would be too wise to get too ahead of ourselves after just a couple of wins. Because this time last week, we were wondering whether we didn't finish in the top half. So I think we should just keep our feet on the ground at the moment and see how it goes after about 10 or 12 games, see where we are, and then go from there, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, Arthur Kryjak, we, yeah, he took a bit of a battering from us last week. But he's uh, not done too badly in the week because he redeemed himself with his performances. But uh, Hans... I, I think so. He wasn't overly challenged at Ultra. I wasn't there at Accrington Stanley yesterday. Uh, I wasn't overly challenged. He did what he had to and he got that right. Um, let's see how he gets on in front of the big bank where perhaps um, supporters can be a little bit more critical of uh, what he's doing. Well, yeah, that clearly uh, Paul doesn't do him any confidence. Do you think he gets perhaps a little worried when he's playing at home? Uh, I think it, it would weigh on your mind, I think, if well, I think in the last, in the Morgan game, there were even sort of booze coming, ringing round when he got the ball, when it was passed back to him and things like that. And it's got to affect you, I think, because obviously it is a fairly, relatively small crowd, and you probably hear the shouts of people behind you, and it would affect your confidence, I think, especially as, uh, he, he strikes me as a bit of a confidence player as well. I think when things are going his way, he can be a really good goalkeeper, and then he'll have the odd game, as we saw, where the arrows will just pile up. So I think if the crowd got behind him perhaps a bit more, then it might increase his success in goal and he might be able to keep on putting in some decent performances that he has done in the last week or so, I think. OK, Alan Gow now. Well, what a fantastic performance he made against Accrington. He's been fantastic all season, really, and perhaps may have kept us up if had he joined earlier last season. Uh, Hans, do you think he's the best player in League Two? Oh, I don't think we'd go as far as that. I've not seen all the other... Uh, teams or a number of other teams that are doing quite well at the moment and I haven't looked at their star players I think he has to be up there with uh, one of the top players um, it's great to see that his form that he was uh, obviously in at the end of last season is continuing into this season he could and should be a key player for us that's how he links in with the other players as to whether we're going to have a successful or uh, a non-successful season 
Okay. Um, of course, at Accrington yesterday, there was a penalty for the Grecians. It was Scott Bennett who was tumbled over by the defender. Uh, Gillian Bowser was quick to pick up the ball, isn't he? But he didn't put it in the back of the net. Uh, Paul, why didn't the team know who was the allocated penalty taker? Um, well, I think it might have been the fact that there were substitutions in the second half, which might have, it could have been, I'm not sure who came off actually, but um, maybe one of the players who went off was meant to take it, and they just looked to, to Bowser as the team centre forward at that time, just to uh, do what strikers do normally from penalties and stick it away. I mean, or maybe they haven't really decided to who is taking penalties this year. Hopefully that isn't the case, but because it was not yellow last year. But you never know, it might, Bowser might have been the sort of allocated taker from the players on the pitch at that time, and he just, on that occasion, wasn't capable of sticking it away. So, no, I'm, I'm not sure to be honest why they didn't know. There isn't really an explanation for it, I don't think. Uh, Hans, uh, O'Flynn, quite surprisingly, didn't take it, although he tried to, I think. Uh, he hasn't scored in the league for quite a while. Surely, taking a penalty and scoring boosts confidence. Um, I think O'Flynn last season, if he started the games, was our penalty taker. I think both him and Bowser do not have um, a 100% record. Maybe that was part of the discussion that was going on in the centre circle. I'm better than you. No, you're not. I am. Didn't score in the end. Um, I, would, I, I think O'Flynn should be taking them if he's on the uh, pitch. Okay, and Scott Bennett, he's been impressive, hasn't he, since he first entered the first team uh, last season. Uh, Paul, do you think he'll be the next Exeter youth product to be sold on? Uh, it's a definite possibility, yeah. He's really impressed me since he's come in. I mean, as he came through the ranks, we sort of thought of him as a centre-back, I think, but he's really impressed in that holding the field role. He gets stuck in, and he really gives, well, it's a cliche, of course, but he gives 100% every game, which is what you want to see the local lads doing. And he's uh, slotted in really well in there, and so... Wouldn't it surprise me if, after a couple of years sort of maturing at this level, and perhaps a level above, if they do manage to get promoted, if he was the next one sort of on the conveyor belt to higher things? Because I think we all thought it would be Circum, but he, he's still with us so far. So I think Bennett, yeah, he definitely could be the next one to be sold on, I think. What are your thoughts on uh, Bennett, uh, Hans? He's done well. Um, I think he has potential. He must be being looked at by his scouts. Um, not played that many games, so maybe they're hanging on a bit to um, see how he develops. Um, you know, he was brought down in the penalty box yesterday. He uh, headed onto the post uh, against Oldershot on Tuesday night. So he gets into the mix as well as doing what he has to do in the midfield. Okay, certainly one for the future, isn't he? Uh, next up, we're going to discuss the player of the month. Uh, Paul, who do you stands out for you? Kevin Amank has been impressive. Alan Gow also. Jamie Curitan. Who's your pick of the bunch, though? Well, it's difficult, really, because the only game I've actually seen has been, well, the Crystal Palace and Morecambe home games. So, from on that basis, I'll go uh, with Kevin Amank, because in both of those games, he's really impressed me going forward. And uh, he's solid at the back as well. I think he can really nail down that right back slot and uh, he can we can have a successful season hopefully. And he, yeah, he's strong both offensively and defensively. And so yeah, I mean you can, obviously you can't rule out people like Juriton for his match winning performance at Aldershot and Gal yesterday. But from the from the games I've seen, it would be Kevin Mankwood this month. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Hans? I think it's between three players. It's uh, Kevin Amankwa, Jamie Curitan and Alan Gow. My feeling is it's got to be Kevin Amankwa. I've been really impressed with him in the games that I've seen. 
uh, confident can get on with the, the game. Happy to run uh, down the uh, the wing. Um, I think he's uh, quite fine for us. Okay, I'm, I'm, I might go for Alan Gow. I think I think we may uh, have a, quite a few less points had uh, Gow not been around. So I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for him this month. Grecian talk. Uh, next up on the show, then we're going to discuss Elliot Chamberlain, the latest 1931 fund signing. Uh, Paul, can he become an important player for City, or will he turn out to be another James Norwood? Uh, well, I think he's got the potential to become an important player. He was at Leicester, I think, so he's obviously got some decent pedigree there. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of him personally. He played like half in the side of the pre-season game, and he looked okay. I think he had quite a successful pre-season as well, and he's obviously done enough in training and in the pre-season games to convince his to sign him up. So he's obviously got something about him, and hopefully he'll go on to have a, a longer and stronger city career than James Norwood did. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he can become a big part of the team over the next year or two. Um, Hans, uh, with uh, recent 1931 signings being just squad players at best, is it important for the future of the fund that Chamberlain gets game time for City? I think it's important that he does have game time. I mean, Norwood made his debut at Ellen Road against Leeds, which I think was quite exciting for uh, people who pay into the fund. Um, I was expecting more from Callum McNish. Um, it was interesting that Callum has gone on loan from Braintree to Eastleigh during the week because um, Callum was unhappy with being played out in the right at uh, Braintree and we played in the middle at Eastleigh. Um, we'll have to see on Elliot. What I've seen of him so far, I, which was a uh, friendly down at Dorchester, I thought he was very good going down the wing, down on the right wing. I was able to get in good crosses. Um, we just need game time. It's um, not been in squad so far. With uh, I suppose with an injury-free squad, it's going to be difficult for any of the French players to get actively involved. Yeah, although he, I suppose he's a replacement really for Liam Serkum if he gets injured. So uh, does add options down that right wing and up front. Of course, he can also play. Uh, next up on the show, the Steve Flack stat attack. Right then, uh, I started this last season. Uh, on Twitter after I said something on there and uh, Joe Hellier on his Red and White radio show which used to be around last season uh, read a few out but we're going to bring it back uh, now that that show has ended we're going to bring it back on Grecian Talk and we've got some right now starting with you Paul yeah and the Steve Flack stat fact for me is that the last time Exeter won two away games in a row was at the end of the 2010-11 season away to Bristol Rovers and Sheffield Wednesday uh, Hans uh, the last time we ran out of the recreation ground in Oldershot was in our champion season, um, 1989-90. We won one nil on Boxing Day, and no, I wasn't there. I was in Exeter with uh, my family and missed that game. Okay, uh, mine is before Accrington on Saturday. The last time City had won away by three or more clear goals was back in the 2010-11 season, a 3-0 win at Hereford in the JPT. In 2009, we won 4-0 at Nuneaton in the FA Cup. However, in a, in a league game, we have to go back to September 2008 and a 4-1 win at Macclesfield in League 2. That was, of course, the same season we were promoted, of course. If you've got any uh, Stiflax stat attacks for us, then... You can tweet us at Grecian Talk. You can also email us, contact at grecientalk.co.uk. And you can also find us on Facebook. Keep up to date with the show via our website, grecientalk.co.uk. Right, if you're wondering why my uh, voice is sounding a bit clearer, it's because it's after the show. 
Paul Martin has gone into his cave until next week's show, but Hans has been interviewing Les Miller, who was at last week's Board of Society meeting. Now, for those of you like me who don't know much about BOSS, uh, well, it's made up of elected and co-opted voting trustees, as well as executive non-voting officers, and is responsible for the day-to-day operations of the Supporters Trust. So, without further ado, it's over to you, Hans. We have Les with us. Um, many people will know him from XWeb. Uh, Les went to the uh, boss meeting on Wednesday night. Les, I thought this was a, a secret affair. No, it's uh, not a secret affair. The meeting is split up in two parts. You have a part A and a part B. And the part B is the uh, part of the meeting where they discuss um, the financial matters of the club and uh, confidential stuff, really, that uh, it's placed in the wrong hands could put the club in a difficult position. Right, so what sort of, um, what are the key things that came up in Part A then, on Wednesday? Um, in, part, in, in Part A, very interesting uh, discussions. The first part, was, which is really the important part, was they, they, um, they discussed the minutes of the last meeting and they then go um, to the chairman of the separate board that they have, they have like a governance board, a finance board, and etc. And they ask them the, the, to report on um, how they're doing and uh, what progress is being made. As you can imagine, with the election, that was quite a, a big part of the discussion. That was like further down the list. But when they got to it, it was a very interesting discussion that they had with the uh, the outcome of the, um, the elections, uh, trying to get people to come on board to the trust help run the trust basically and they didn't get um, anywhere near what they needed to have um, an election. Disappointing that not enough people want to stand. Is there, um, is there a reluctance or are people feeling a bit disengaged at the moment with the trust? I think it's, I think it's, um, it, it works both ways Paul. I think people are feeling a bit disengaged with the trust but also I feel that People need to understand that the trust is a group of volunteers and each year have their own skill. And I, be- I really truly believe that if people could actually see what some of the work they have done in the past, say, six months, they would see that the trust is actually doing some very good, valuable work. <laughs> it is very disappointing that not many people wanted to stand, but it, it can be a, a time-consuming job being on the trust because you have your own areas of expertise, if you can see what I mean. For instance, the governance, Roger Conway uh, explained quite deeply on what he's been doing in the past year or so on creating new papers and new drafts, etc., which will come out um, hopefully by the AGM so we can see what's been, what's, what, what they've all discussed and what they've brought out and uh, what I've seen of the paper that has been brought out for the financial side of things. There are lots of uh, interesting developments in there um, for, in, including discussing and interviewing like the people in the, in charge, like the uh, chairman, um, the CEO, and appraise them. Basically, that, that that's all going to be brought into the uh, into the into the realm of it all. So, I mean, is it more than a talking shop? I think there's a huge worry from members that it's just another committee with lots of other committees, and there's no real action. I think there's really big action behind the scenes. What I hear from Bernadette. Coates and I can't believe the guy's name is called Peter. They've been working extremely hard on our constitution, and it's, it's basically being rewritten. And by what I gather, by what I was told, uh, it's been going on for over a year. 
and they've really got to a place now where it's actually gone to um, a solicitor to be looked at to make sure that everything that's in there is lawful. Right, so you didn't get anything key like um, what's the player budget this season, coming season, and how much have we spent it so far? No, I believe that's all in the Part B and that's uh, figures. But I feel that that should remain quiet because we don't want other clubs to know that sort of information. So nobody left any papers behind by mistake that are you to have a sneak look at to tell us that everything is wonderful or otherwise? <laughs> um, no. You but tell us anyway, the, you? If you ask... No, but yeah, it's um, what I've always found that if you ever speak to um, a trustee, they've always been welcoming to answering my questions at least. There's there's a lot of talk about that there's not enough communication coming from the trust, and they see that, they know that, and they basically are pushing hard to get to the bottom of the issue of communications. I noticed on the official site this week that Mark Ashley has been employed by the club for PR and communications. And going by what Andy Cole was saying, um, on the official site, it looks like the trust will be using him a lot more to advise them in this, in this whole big realm of communications. I still feel it's a two-way street, though, Paul, that really, if you have an issue with the trust, there's nothing wrong with you emailing the trust or, or speaking to the uh, regular board members because they are freely available at most of the home games and you'll see a few in the away games. I've spent many, many hours talking to members of the trust and members of the board of uh, the board of society and they have been absolutely excellent in their replies and they will tell you straight whether it's, you know, something they can talk about or something they isn't can talk about. But they give you a good idea on what's really happening and I think that that's the way forward. If we all manage to put ourselves up there and say, look, what do you think of this and what do you think of that? They're so willing to listen, and I don't think it's all that bad. Okay, Les, um, I think that's it for tonight. Just a reminder to people that the AGM will be in October, and if I remember rightly, it's before the Port Vale game. Okay, thanks, and Les. Uh, Thanks very much to uh, both Les and Hans for that interview, and we'll hear more from Les throughout the season here on Grecian Talk, I'm sure. Right, back to the main show now. And next up on the agenda was League Two, uh, where I asked Le- uh, Hans if he thought Torquay could get into the playoffs again. That, after their 4-2 win at home to Rochdale. It was interesting. I was watching my Twitter feed on Saturday and uh, the girls' supporters were really unhappy because um, they went 1-0 down to Rochdale and I had a feeling that... Um, it was all going to be very much the same, um, not good enough. But they turned it round and won 4-2. Um, it's all what Martin Lynn can do, whether he can use what he's got to start getting talky to put the performances in. That must be a huge confidence booster, I would have thought, for them. And Paul, as for Rochdale, of course, relegated last season after a pretty dreadful campaign. I think Steve Eyre was there before they got went down. John Coleman couldn't quite prevent them from relegation but um, what do you think about them this season is it playoffs or mid-table mediocrity I think they'll drift out into the mid-table to be honest because this is the fourth year is their sort of level I think I mean they have the record they, for the longest number of successive seasons in the fourth tier it wouldn't surprise me after their brief little flirtation with League One I think they'll be around this bottom division for a few years to come yeah, I just don't think they've really got the uh, 
for the budget or the squad really to challenge right at the top end of the table. I mean, I could be wrong, of course, but that's the way I see them going this season, to be honest. At uh, Northampton, it was three all. Uh, Northampton three, Southend three. Um, Southend a bit of a disappointing start for them. Uh, Paul Sturrock side, of course, one point out of nine uh, possible points so far. Um, Hans, is it a surprisingly poor start for them, or did you expect that? No, I think that was a surprise. Um, whether they've lost too many, changed too many players around, I was expecting Southend to be up, you know, in the player. Mind you, it's only three three league games in, but they also lost quite heavily in the League Cup as well. Yeah. Um, as for Northampton, A.D. Boothroyd's there now with his hoofball uh, mentality. Uh, saved them from relegation last season, Paul. Do you think he can get them into the playoffs this term? Um, annoyingly, I think he possibly could, yeah. Because, uh, as I say, he's a bit of a hoofball manager. I'm not a fan of him at all, to be honest. But I think he... He's got quite good achievements as a manager as well, so I think they've got some decent players there. I'm not sure if they still got Akin Fenwell up front, because he's a goal threat if they have, and that's what you need on They scored three on Saturday, so they've got, they're strong going forward, and I think, yeah, the hopes are high around there. I think that they can get into the playoffs this year after a bit of a nightmare last season, and Boothroyd at this level could prove to be quite a good manager, I think. Yeah, well, it wasn't long ago that he was leading Watford into the Premier League, was he, A.D. Boothroyd? And yes, uh, Akin Fenwell is still at Northampton. He scored for them yesterday, in fact. Um, Oxford and Gillingham, they are at the top with nine points, early leaders in League Two. Uh, Paul, uh, Hans, beg your pardon, uh, are they early title favourites or will Rotherham and Fleetwood challenge them? I think Oxford and Gillingham will uh, slip down the table. Um, I think Rotherham and Fleetwood will get to the top. I think Fleetwood are just trying to find their uh, feet in a new division. Um, it will take a little while. I think when we ended up in League 2 from, on promotion, we had a few games before we could get it all going and uh, back into our conference form. Uh, I, I don't think Oxford and Gillingham are good enough at the moment to sustain this through the season. Um, money always counts and uh, I think Steve Evans will put Rotherham on the way and Fleetwood will catch up eventually. Nardiello was on the bench yesterday for Rotherham, by the way. As for Wimbledon, what a dreadful uh, start. Well, last two games for them. Um, they've conceded 11 goals in their last two games, a 6-2 hiding against Burton, and then thrashed 5-2 at Bradford yesterday. I'm not sure what they're um, talking about on the Wimbledon edition of Grecian Talk, but, well, I wouldn't really want to imagine that anyway. Uh, Paul, <laughs> um, are they in danger of relegation? Uh, I think, well, any side who starts this badly is going to be considered one of the teams that will be down there at the end of the season. Obviously, you can't, you can't read too much into this these early weeks. Uh, still, sort of, getting, well, uh, yeah, you can't read too much into the early part of the season. As you saw from City's start, really, and the way they bounced back, so it's still possible for Wimbledon to bounce back, of course. But obviously, they're leaking goals, and that's a problem. And they they are definitely in danger of relegation. I think they will be one of the teams down there with the likes of Barnet, as we discussed last week. I think. And so, yeah, there's a there's a definite chance they could go down. I hope they don't, because uh, I, I'm glad that they've been brought into the football league and the whole ethos and things. It'd be good one day if they could overtake MK Dons in the football league ladder. But at the moment, obviously, they're not performing particularly well, and they're definitely going to be one of the candidates. I think to go down. Bristol Rovers, what? A- Terrible day for them yesterday. We're winning 3-1 at Wickham. Uh, Richard Logan's scoring for Wickham, by the way. And then the game was abandoned. Uh, Brist, uh, oh, what am I talking about? Hans, uh, how do you think they'll fare this season? 
I think Bristol Rovers will do okay. Um, It's going to be an interesting season for them. I think the expectations are really high, and I think that will add a lot of pressure to them. I have to say, I've got to feel really sorry for Richard Logan. He started the game, and he scored, um, and all that, of course, gets uh, wiped down. I don't know whether people saw Richard Logan's tweet, by the way, but um, early this morning he got round to watching the Football League show and said, uh, Alan Go, take a bow, kid. What a second goal. I had to go to bed after I saw it. It was ridiculous. Should be in League Two. Well, I quite agree, actually. I think he's, yeah, definitely a League One player at least, and I think, uh, well, he, he said back along, didn't he, that he'd be interested in signing for Rangers. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, Paul? Well, I think it's the whole sort of boys of club thing, isn't it? He'd love to go there, because I think he started his career there, and yeah, he'd love to go back there, but at the moment, until they get themselves promoted up to the sort of first division and Scottish Premier League again, I think he's better off down here playing for us, I think, because it's a higher standard, to be honest. And if he's too good for League 2, which I agree with you, I think he is, he's definitely too good for the Scottish 3rd Division, I think. So hopefully we'll get a good couple of years out of him. He's got a two-year deal, I think, which is very important. So it means obviously they won't lose him at the end of this season, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can have a successful couple of years out of him, because he's a great player going forward. Well, yeah, it's fantastic signing him up for a two-year deal, isn't it, Hans? Because it means we can get some money for him. And although he's 29 years of age, I'm sure clubs would pay a high price for him. I think they should do, yes, it was a good idea, um, making sure that he had security of uh, contract and therefore we protected. Um, if someone does decide that, actually he'd be better off playing for them, maybe at a higher level or even back in Scotland. Burton then on Saturday, what are your thoughts ahead of that one, Paul? Uh, I think it's a winnable game, Burton were down near the bottom last season. They're a team who have come through the non-league. They haven't been any higher than League Two. They're sort of club you expect them to be in sort of lower mid-table. So I think it's definitely a winnable game. However, that's what I thought about Morecambe as well, and we all know how that turned out. And Burton have had a decent start to the season as well. They won 6-2, as we been saying, against Wimbledon. So they've got a goal for it, obviously, going forward. But hopefully, I think the City will have confidence after these two away wins, and I think they'll have enough about them. And I think they'll get three points again on Saturday and continue their charge at the league table. Uh, what about you, Hans? What are your thoughts ahead of uh, Saturday's match? I'm a little bit worried that uh, we played two games at home and we've lost to you know, Palace and Morecambe. That um, our own home ground is no longer Fortress St James's Park, but um, uh, a bit of a liability. Hopefully, um, we can put it round. But now are also all over the place, a great win against uh, Wimbledon, but uh, also had a 3-0 defeat on the opening day of the season. Uh, it's hard to call, you know, which was the blip, the Morecambe game for Exeter or the uh, two away games. So if you work that one out, you could probably work out what the uh, prediction should be for Saturday. <laughs> Where's don't, forget on Saturday is the new <laughs> don't forget on Saturday is the new away shirt is on sale. I, I, I think it's brilliant. The, the very light blue. Yeah, I think it's very nice. Um, like Manchester City, isn't it? Perhaps we'll emulate them and be champions of League Two this season, but it's a very nice shirt. What do you think, Paul? Yes, I'm not sure. I think as you can tell, I agree with you on that. Um, bit of a change. I don't remember. I don't know if you guys will know the last time the away shirt was light blue. It's normally sort of more a darker blue or maybe white. But no, it's a nice change and I like it, yeah. Okay, well, that's about it for this week's Grecian Talk. Thank you very much to uh, Paul Martin and Paul Sussex for their company. If you'd like to get in touch with us uh, during the week before the next show, this is how you can do so. You can tweet the show at Grecian Talk. 
email the show contact at grecientalk.co.uk or you can find us on Facebook and uh, thank you for listening this is uh, Ollie Hepnestall thanks very much again to Paul the two Pauls their company and uh, join us next time for more Grecian Talk the music for the show is by Kevin McLeod his website incompetech.com <laughs>